And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. We wanted to start this show today by acknowledging the passing of Steelers legend Franco Harris uh, on Wednesday at the age of 72, just two days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Uh, there was a lot of stuff planned for this weekend. Uh, he was supposed to get his number retired by the Steelers on Saturday. Um, we've had already a couple stories uh, go on The Athletic this week about the Immaculate Reception, and Vic had another one planned uh, that will run on Friday, along with a couple of our Steelers writers, just uh, with Franco and, and a lot of the uh, the key figures from that game and looking back on a play that obviously in Steelers history is one of the most iconic and one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. And certainly for the Raiders, one of the most controversial, but you know, Franco, I think is a guy that was obviously on the other end of it, scored that game when he touched down. I think it was probably always kind of hard to view him as a villain for, for the Raiders. Just um, maybe he sort of embraced it so much. You know, he, he, you know, never hid about coming to Oakland. Uh, we were there, Vic, that last time, uh, the last time the Steelers played in Oakland before moving to Vegas. And um, he was hanging out in the parking lot, was being honored and celebrated, uh, you know, in, in the tailgate area. You know, a guy that uh, I think Raider fans, while always will be bitter about the play, uh, you know, sort of grew to, to have an appreciation for him. Yeah, that was a cool day. I mean, he and uh, Phil Villapiano, the linebacker who chased him in that play, became really good friends over the years, made a bunch of appearances together. And uh, and Phil brought him out that day to uh, be inducted into the Black Hole as an honorary member of the Black Hole. He met a bunch of the fans in the parking lot. Like, he was honored uh, at the game. They talked to Mark Davis, and like, they showed him the big screen, got a nice reception. So I think with Franco, I think he was just a class act, a very humble guy who kind of uh, – uh, was a great ambassador for the league and for the Steelers. I think uh, Raider fans could pick up on that. Like, he was a very easygoing guy. So, clearly, I mean, I think they all respected him and kind of, uh, obviously, that play will go down as one of the, probably the greatest play in the history of the sport. And uh, the mystery of it all, like, did he catch the ball? Did it hit Frank, you know, Frenchie Fuqua before? Uh, it'll never really be solved, which makes it even cooler. And he didn't want to answer any of those questions. He liked the, uh, the mystery part of it. Didn't want to give away too much about what may have really happened. So, uh yeah, just a very humble guy, very uh, cool customer, and I think that's why Raider fans um, always didn't uh, begrudge him too much for his his role in that in that great play. Yeah, I never got to meet Franco, obviously, but uh, one of my first stories I did when I got on the beat, I had to interview uh, Phil Villapiano, and he was very adamant and telling Franco all the time that, that the shit shouldn't have counted, um, but it was always 
sort of in a joking way. Like it wasn't, there was no really animosity uh, behind it. And I mean, part of it is, you know, 50 years ago, but um, also it just probably speaks to the kind of guy he is. And so definitely sad, um, crazy, uh, kind of the timing of it all. Um, but he's got a, got a cherished life. Did he live in Oakland? Because the only time I met him was at the Oakland airport. And I always wondered, did he live there? Or I guess he just spent a lot of time there. Probably. He didn't live there, but maybe he's making an appearance with Phil. I'm not sure. Obviously, the, the anniversary and, you know, and his passing now comes just a few days after you know, a play that you know doesn't have the, the playoff uh, atmosphere to it. But, I'm, you know, like as remarkable as Immaculate Reception was, we, we, we still can't. We're never going to forget what happened on Sunday and the way the Raiders beat the Patriots. And I call it the dumbest play in NFL history, and I think others have. It's It probably is going to always be right up there. But what that win did tangibly do for the Raiders, 6-8, and eight, You know, we know kind of where they're at. Um, you know, This game does obviously mean a lot for them as they head to Pittsburgh. Both teams are 6-8. and eight. You know, Whoever loses is probably, uh, you know, if not officially eliminated, uh, they, they will be effectively out of this playoff picture. And we'll see what the Raiders can do in... Whether that that Vic, um, are you are you gonna get like a wetsuit for uh, for Saturday? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm looking at the uh, the AccuWeather for uh, for Heinz Field. It's not called that anymore, but I'll always call it Heinz Field. They're saying the, the real feel high high temperature minus ten. Yeah, I'm not sure about a wetsuit. I might get some some of those long johns back from the days, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. My previous record, I think, it was 12 degrees at that KC game on Thursday night a few years back, where thought I was going to die in the parking lot. I think I was literally crawling in my car, uh, gasping. Hey, at least you didn't have a, a boss who made you go walk around and do a Facebook Live or something like that. My, <laughs> my, my boss made me walk around that parking lot that night at 12 degrees doing a Facebook Live to show everybody how cold it was. That's a good assignment. No, I didn't, In the pre-athletic days. I didn't do that, no. But, uh, I mean, that'd be interesting. I mean, I think I was just looking up Derek Carr's numbers. I think he's... Uh, 0-6 when it's uh, less than 37 degrees at kickoff, and his numbers are not very good. So it'll definitely be a big challenge for Derek and the offense to get some points on the board. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy that th- these games still have some meaning. This, t- this has been such a weird year up and down, and so many weird things have happened. Blown leads and uh, the Chandler Jones miracle play on, on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it's good. Football, that, that means something. And then cold weather, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, the, the Raiders uh... – like playoff chances obviously still aren't aren't very great. They, they need a good amount of magic here between winning out and having other teams lose or tie and, and things of that nature. But it's possible, you know, there's a chance and, and um, you know, only thing they can control obviously is, is is, you know, getting another win every week. And uh this will be a tough one. I mean the Steelers um they start off really rough. I mean as the, as did the Raiders, but kind of in a similar way they they started to improve these last few weeks um and and go on one of those typical Steelers runs that they they seem to do every year under Mike Tomlin when, when we don't think they're going to be any good um and their, their defenses really start to come into form with with TJ Watt coming back and then their quarterback situation is still you know like Mitch Trubisky's been starting cuz Kenny Pickett got hurt and Kenny Pickett was very up or down when he was out there and so I think that probably ends up keeping this one a, a low scoring game um either way but these are pretty evenly matched teams, I would say. Maybe you give the edge to the Steelers since they're at home and, and the elements are more what they're used to, but definitely one that's it's very winnable for the Raiders. Yeah, I think for the Raiders, the weather isn't great because where you can attack the Steelers, defense is on the outside. Uh, their corners aren't that great, and 
their passing defense is worse than their rushing defense. You know, obviously the Raiders have their weapons back with Darren Walter, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. But we'll see if Carr can pass effectively in this weather. Like uh, Vic mentioned, his record, his, his statistics have not been good when it's, it's cold. And it's going to be a really cold one. So it's a chance to get that cold weather monkey off his back. And if he could, you know, I think the Raiders offense could have some success if they're able to, to pass a little bit. Yeah, the other thing that's going to make it difficult to pass is their offensive line situation. Josh McDaniels, um, when he spoke on Monday, he didn't sound too optimistic about Alex Bars and Dylan Parham's chances of, of playing this week. And so they might be dependent on Jordan Meredith and Ronis Grasso again as their starting guards against a team that has Cam Hayward and TJ Wild on their front. And so that probably isn't isn't good news um, when, it, when it comes to their ability to pass protect um, in addition to the cold and whatever other elements may be, be in play. And so might be have to be one of those, those ugly game plans where they, where they run the ball a lot and, and feed Josh Jacobs. Looking at the, uh, the kind of Derek Carr's game log by temperature and the coldest game he's ever started in um, 2020. Now oh, that, that must be a typo because that's showing that as a home game. So they've got that 2016 game, Vic, that we were at as a game time temperature of 21 degrees. feel like it was a, uh, it, it was colder than that, but uh, they're showing that 20. They probably dropped yeah. in the course of the game. Like, there's that one game in Cleveland, because they actually won in Cleveland in 2020, and um, that that temperature was started like 47. I think it was 35 by the end of the game, but it still kind of doesn't count because we're cutting it off. The uh, the coldest game that they have Derek Carr winning um, in terms of game time, you know, starting temperature was the 39 degrees in New York in 2020. That was the uh, that was the Cover Zero game. Henry Ruggs uh, beating cover cover zero on the final play. That's uh, that's the coldest that uh, that he's ever won in. But he likes the cold weather. He says he's always saying he likes it. He, he liked he played in the what he played in Wyoming in the WAC. I think is a story he tells about playing in Wyoming one year when it was really cold and they won. So me- mentally he's up for the challenge. So we'll just see if he can pull it off. I always wonder why is the focus always on the quarterback in cold weather games. Like, isn't everybody fucking cold? Like, what is the... Yeah, I mean, you got to throw the ball. Like, if your hands are... You got to catch it, too. Are, 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 yeah. Not fumble I mean, it if you're running back. You don't and... have to catch it. I mean, you, you've, uh, you've, you've got you've got to you've got to feel that snap. You've got to hand the ball off. You've got, I mean, I, you, if you would think it's going to be a big Josh Jacobs game. Yeah. But... Even the center, like, you know, holding uh, you know. I'm not sure stats of Andre James's uh, career numbers in the cold weather are going to do much for our, our podcast, but you're right. I mean, the quarterback is definitely the focus. I mean, whenever they lose, it's it's uh, it's Carr's fault. When they win, he's the hero. So that's just the way the game works. Well, I think part of it maybe of why it's on the quarterback is, you know, in that cold weather, you you pretty much have to wear gloves. And if you're a quarterback who doesn't typically wear gloves, like you, that is tangibly changing something about your game to have to put a glove on your throwing hand to throw the football. So I think most quarterbacks, you know, obviously there's your Teddy Bridgewaters out there that, that throw with a glove all the time, but I think most quarterbacks probably prefer to not throw with the glove. So the fact that there is something tangibly different about throwing the ball is probably what, why one of the biggest focuses goes to them. I forgot. Has he, has he worn gloves in the past? I think he has, right? He has a game with or two. In the, in the really cold, yeah. He'll wear, yeah. He's he's worn gloves in those KC games and whatnot. He'll he'll have gloves on for this one. Well, Josh McDaniels has plenty of experience. I believe we've seen Tom Brady wear gloves a bunch of times. So you got, probably got some some tip, tips and tricks for him. Help help him out a little bit. I mean, Tom Brady's the one that came up with the whole wetsuit thing, right? That he was the, mm. he was the guy that started the uh, the wearing the wetsuit under 
under his uh, uniform. I think he was the guy who started that. So yeah, we'll see if, uh, yeah, Vic, the goat is doing it. You too good to do it? Uh, I'm going to do like Tom. I mean, Vic will at least be in the uh, in, in the press box. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're not we're not sending Vic out to uh, <laughs> to, to write his story VT in the cold. <laughs> we gotta get the athletic to cover um, the wetsuit and gloves for Vic, so he knows what Derek Harf is feeling when he when he wears a wetsuit. Yeah, he should write. He should write his uh, his story with gloves on. See, I actually had to do that one time. I covered when I was covering San Jose State in 2012. They played in a bowl game in Washington D.C. at old RFK Stadium that had an outdoor press box, and it was like 39 degrees at kickoff, and so uh, had to cover a game outside just oh, you know, just sitting there in the uh, in the cold. No, no heater, no nothing. Um, I had to, had to have the gloves with the cutoff fingers. It sounds like the pinstripe bowl. New York every year is always cold as fuck with open air. It's the dumbest shit ever. Like, if you're not in a dome, don't don't have an open air press box. I'm sorry, we we don't we don't need those elements. The higher up you are, the colder it is too. It seems like the wind catches you up there. It wasn't even like an open. I mean, it was just like we were like on a little like ledge, kind of hanging out. It was it was terrible. But nobody cares about the uh, uh, 2012 bowl game here. Um, what does the game plan have to be for this one? Um, Getting Josh Jacobs involved uh, as much as possible, and you kind of hope that his, uh, his his finger is doing okay and it's not uh, not going to get frozen and broken off. Yeah, the tough thing is <laughs> that's very graphic there. Um, but <laughs> without their two, probably without their two starting guards, I mean, like a lot of their success running the ball has been on the interior, and like I don't know if Jordan Meredith and Ronis Grasso are like, going to be just paving the way in this. The Steelers' rush defense is actually pretty good. Uh, I think they're yeah right now they're seventh in, in total rushing defense this season, so they're not easy to run against anyway. And without your two interior offensive linemen, uh, might be tough sledding. I figure they got to try, but I don't know how how successful they're going to be. I think last week against the Patriots, um, I pulled the numbers when when they had those two backup guards in there, they only averaged two point five yards per carry. That's not good. It might be a little tough. I mean, I guess they have to try, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's going to go that well. I think you have to be balanced because um, the last time they tried a really run-heavy attack was against the Rams, and we all know how that played out. And the Rams have have a pretty good run defense too. So I think you have to be balanced, and I think you have to roll the dice a little bit on the on the passing game because that's how you're going to beat the Steelers' defense if you're just running the ball on the ground. It's kind of just playing into their hands. So. You know, there's a bit of a risk with the, the guards, but, you know, with the weapons you have, you, you got to roll the dice with the passing game and, and be a little balanced. Obviously, you don't want to get too far into passing on early downs and all those things because you don't want that pass rush coming after you and with your protection issues. But you got to roll the dice with the passing game in this one. I was going to say, that's a really cool, uh, tough guy named Ronis Grasso. If you can't run behind a guy named Honus Grasso... You gotta change your name to Barry. I think uh, I think he's a tough guy. I think he'll be able to Barry withstand the elements and, and, and lead that running game. Is that is that why they cut John Simpson because they just had to get exactly? Out so this guy's got this guy's a tough dude. Yeah, let's get him out there. It's gonna be cold. I like it. I mean, I think one thing that helps them is that you know, the cold is nothing new for uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, this is you know all those years in uh, in Green Bay. Like this is this is gonna be pretty normal for him uh, to go out there. And I mean. No receiver probably likes it, but um, he's at least going to be pretty well accustomed to it. Do you see that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Booger from Anthony McFarland segment on um, Monday Night Football, where he said that they have a little whiskey on the sidelines to keep warm. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in the. Uh, it was at Lambo, right? Yeah, at Lambo. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Devontae bring a little whiskey with him to. 
to Heinz Field. And yeah, that's not happening. Keep keep um, that, that has been re-emphasized that uh, alcohol not allowed <laughs> on NFL premises. Um, thank you, Todd Downing, our old friend. Um, yeah. That uh, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that the thing with the Raiders, um, while their offense has been fairly successful, I know we've been getting a lot of shit this year, but that they're they're pretty predictable on offense when it comes to their their alignments. Like they they pretty much only use eleven personnel. They don't know just one running back, one tight end, three three receivers, or, or twenty one personnel with the fullback out there, and it's like. When they're in 11, they, they throw it 70% of the time. And when they're in 21, they run it 70% of the time. Like, they run it a bunch on early downs. They pretty much always throw it on third downs. It's like they have a very – like, you see a lot of run-run pass sequences, especially when they get leads. And, like, I, I think teams are, are picking up on that, and, and that's what leads to some of their lulls in games or, or plays like Kyle Duggar being able to predict and, and jump that that pick six that they were trying to throw a screen pass at Devontae Adams. And so I think it'd be good for them to kind of break some of those tendencies going up against the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Maybe they start – maybe throw it some more on early downs or uh, mix up the personnels a little bit more now that, now that they have Renfro and, and Waller back healthy and, and can mix things up a little bit more. I think they've gotten a little a little stagnant with their plan on offense. And that's, that's probably why the last few weeks we've seen them – Point total might look fine, or they might, you know, have a lot of yardage, but they kind of have these lapses where they're punting, they're punting, they're punting, they're punting, and I think they need to to break some of the tendencies that they have and, and mix it up a little bit. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. By the way, I just pulled up uh, Devontae Adams' uh, 
stats in below freezing uh, game time temperatures. So any game below uh, 32 degrees or below, he uh, averages 8.26 targets, 5.58 receptions, 71.95 touchdowns, and 0.9 or excuse 71.95 yards and <laughs> and uh, 0.95 touchdowns. So basically, an average game for him is five and a half catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown uh, in below freezing weather. It may be all right. It may be enough to get it done. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think this is going to be an ugly game. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a whole bunch of offense in this one. Um, most, you know, obviously the, the Raiders' offense has a tough matchup, but also the Steelers' offense just hasn't been good this season. Their running game has been pretty inefficient. Um, their offensive line has been fine, but they're and they have a lot of receiving talent, but their quarterback play again has just not been good. And their offense coordinator is very strange. Like he does weird stuff all the time. So, you know, the Raiders is he stranger than last week's offensive coordinator? He's he's not too far behind. You know, he's he's up there. Um, but, yeah, the, the Raiders' defense has kind of benefited from playing a bunch of shitty offenses in a row the last few weeks, and that's probably helped them look a little bit better. And so, uh, you know, I think the big thing for them will be making sure that they can stop the run because that's been – this season they've been good against the run, but but the last few weeks has been a, a struggle for them without Andrew Billings, their defensive tackle, probably their best run stopper, and they, they don't have any linebackers because they won't sign me. If they can slow down Najee Harris, then I think they can – you know, put them in some obvious passing situations and, and put that Steelers offense in, in a bind. But really on both sides, I, I think it's going to come down to who wins that run game matchup. Let me pull up some uh, Chandler Jones numbers. Uh, you know, obviously Jones got got all the attention for the touchdown last week. But in uh, the Raiders' last five games, in which they've gone, of course, 4-1 and one to kind of get back in this thing. Since week 11, Jones ranks 10th in the NFL in pressure rate, 15.5% out of 79 qualified players who have 100-plus pass rush snaps in that span. And his nine quarterback hits since week 11 are tied for fifth. Uh, Max Crosby leads the league in that span with 15. Um so, you know, we, we know he had, you know, the game with three sacks. You know, he's he's been trending upward. And at least now, we're, we're when everything was looking really bad, when they're two and seven, we're, we're just kind of wondering, like, hey, what can we see in the second half of the season that can at least give you some hope going into the offseason? That's one of them. They're starting to get the Chandler Jones they signed. Yeah, I think part of that is you're getting some more pressure from the interior guy. It seems like the last five, five games, they're going to help some out a little bit. And He's been preaching, you know, that he's been fine all year long. Even when the stats weren't there, he said, you know, I'm working hard and I'm not frustrated too much with the results. I'll get there. And uh, sure enough, he has. So I think uh, kudos to him for, for sticking to it. And I think, um, this, like you said, this is the team we wanted to see at the beginning of the year. We wanted to see that pass rush for him and Max Crosby, and that would help the rest of the defense behind him play better. So uh, if that's where we are, then that's good. we got, you know, um, three games left, and we can see they can keep building on this Kind of new, uh, fresh start from uh, Chandler Jones. Yeah, who knew, man? All, all Chandler Jones needed was was Jerry Tillery to unlock him, man. It's, it's, it's the interior pass rush. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever they say about the first 10 weeks or so of the season, like he just wasn't playing well enough. I don't care about his run defense. Like they gave him all that money to rush the pass and he wasn't getting there. Um, and, you know, he, he, he always lines up pretty much against the left tackles, which is usually where – teams put their best offensive tackle. And so uh, he's not getting to take, take advantage of – Foster Sorrell and all the other bullshit right tackles they've gone up against. Um, but, you know, he's, he's been able to break through these last few weeks um, and then kind of give them that duo that they envision to happen. And I think that outside of being good for him as an individual, that that's helped the secondary out a lot because they've had a lot of issues on the back end this season, really independent of whether the pass rush is getting there or not. But having that consistent pass rush, um, giving opposing quarterbacks less time to throw and pick them apart. They had a decent game against Justin Herbert, for example. So it's not just them, you know, playing well against this bad offenses and, and bad quarterbacks. So 
those two sides kind of feed off of each other. And while the defense still has their moments where at the end of the Rams game where it's it's concerning, I think that's always going to be there just because they don't really have that much talent. But you can kind of see the looking forward to next season with all the cap space and draft picks and stuff they have, if they can address some more of their issues on defense and Jones and Crosby are the duo that they, they think they will be. Maybe they can start to put together a more competent unit on that side of the ball. Do we have a status update on Billings and Yasin for this game? I mean, they didn't practice yesterday, but Yasin, they estimated that he wouldn't have practiced with his knee injury, and so it seems like he's probably doubtful. Um, Billings, he's been practicing in a limited capacity, but he hasn't been able to play, so it seems like they're going to need him to practice full before he's able to come back, and I guess we'll see that you know these next few days. Um, but, I mean, based on it, it, it would seem like Yasin is more doubtful than Billings. Maybe Billings has a chance of, of getting back out there. We talked about a building that's going to be huge for this run defense, and obviously the Steelers are going to try to run the ball no matter who they have at quarterback. George Pickens, the rookie, has come on as of late. He's a, kind of a deep ball, spectacular catch specialist. Uh, so that's somebody that the Raiders defense ha- has to watch out for. Their offensive line looks like it's getting a little bit better, and they're, they're running a, with a lot more consistency. But, yeah, I mean, Harris and George Pickens are the guys you have to watch watch out for. Fairmouth, their tight end, is a pretty decent player, too. So that's going to be a matchup that the Raiders have to watch out for, especially in the play-action game. So they have some skilled players on offense. Obviously, they have some problems on with the quarterback position. I think Kenny Pickett is probably their best option, but I'm not sure if he is able to come back for this game. He's expected to. He's playing, he's expected to yeah. Before he got injured, he, he was starting to play at a pretty, pretty good level, so... Yeah, I think the Raiders' defense will have a bit of a challenge in, in Pittsburgh. I think the other thing that we've talked about that we wanted to kind of see down the stretch of the season that can give you the best, ter- you know, in terms of evaluating into, into next year was how the Raiders' offense would look at full strength with, you know, Adams, Waller, and Renfro. And obviously we don't expect this Saturday to be a, a great um, example of, of those three all being out there. It's going to likely be tough to pass the ball a lot. And we saw their first game back together. Uh, you know, Waller had the touchdown. Renfro was pretty quiet. Uh, you know, it was more, you know, they both played around half of the snap. So probably won't be until those final two weeks of the season when they, when they play the 49ers and the chiefs that you, you know, can really see them maybe in, in optimal conditions. Um, but uh, we do have uh from our guy Aaron Reese, who always does uh, you know, a nice batch of true media notes and stats for us. Uh, in their limited sample size together, Carr with Adams, Waller, and Renfro all on the field together is 40 of 68 for 494 yards. That's uh, 7.26 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, four sacks, and an 83.8 quarterback rating. So not the kind of numbers that we expected he would have uh, going into the year, but obviously that sample size is too too small to really make too much of it. Um, two games worth of passes there, um, which which adds up with all the time they've missed. But I think more so than them in terms of their numbers, it's just seeing can they increase that that workload? Because like you said, they I don't even either both of them I think fell a little bit below fifty percent of the snaps played last week and basically didn't play at all in the third quarter it was a little weird. And so um just seeing if they can continue to ramp that up without issue and get to maybe closer to 70, 75, and then going into the last two weeks at home in the in the dome, they maybe they will be able to go full go. But um yeah, this is isn't gonna be a great week really to, you know, see that that trio come alive that everybody wants to see. Maybe there'll be some flashes here or there like there was last week with Waller having that that touchdown down down the middle. Probably is that plus the the offensive line issues. Like I don't, 
This isn't going to be dropping back and just throwing it like crazy in, in this one, I don't, I don't think. I do think that having those guys back this week in terms of Waller and Renfro will be good for the short passing game. Like both those guys are so good at getting open off the line of scrimmage, so maybe you can get a bunch of quick hitting plays. That's also Derek's strength. So maybe that will help in terms of uh, fighting the weather and the, and the Steelers' defense to, on, on Saturday. I think if McDaniels has to earn his money in the protection plan this week, if they're able to find a way to protect Derek Carr, I think they should be able to put up decent numbers in, in the passing game. But obviously that's going to be a challenge. But, I mean, you know, if you remember last season, they had good weapons you know, in the beginning of the season, but their offensive line was absolutely terrible. Uh, but they found ways to kind of uh, move the ball early in the game and then as the game progressed and as the pass rush tired out, that's when the offense really took off. So, you know, maybe we see kind of a, a similar game plan to last year where they're going to, you know, a lot of passes, short, quick passes early on and and try to tire that pass rush out. And once they get tired, then you could start going downfield and, and trying to hurt that Steelers secondary. Yeah, and, you know, Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, I wrote about him today. He's done a pretty good job with all their different offensive lines they had. And, I mean, in the in the 30, 39 snaps they had together last week in terms of uh, Grafsu and Meredith, the backups, they gave up a pressure rate of 31%, which is it's manageable. Like, it's not great necessarily. They gave up a few sacks, what stands out, but the, the down-to-down pressure rate really wasn't that bad. And so... There's a world, I guess, where it's, the, the O-line is competent this week and allows them to, to function as an offense. Um, I think some of what we saw from from Derek Carr was running around a lot last week. That, that might have been more of a trust thing, maybe, and, and kind of getting happy feet a little bit, like even if pressure wasn't really there, just kind of feeling like he needed to buy himself some extra time. And so maybe after a full week of practice together, he he's more comfortable against the Steelers. But yeah, like like you said, though, in terms of the areas that they target in the past game, I, I do think they've been a little bit too much boom or bust this year. Like it's either a very deep ball or like a the definition of a check down, like something into the flat or a screen or something like that. I think they need to get more into the, the short to intermediate game because as Vic said, I mean, they have three guys that are among the best in the league in that area to fill. And it's something that they really don't take advantage of like you would expect them to. And you figure the deep game is going to be pretty much non-existent because not just the temperature, wind is, is probably going to be more of a factor. Uh, you know, right now, the, the forecast for Saturday night is calling for it to be breezy in the evening, um, show, a snow shower in spots, um, maximum wind gusts of 29 miles per hour. That's why, where it could why, be. Why do you smile when you read off the weather updates? Because <laughs> he don't got to go. Fucking wicked. Because I'm in California. Be I mean, which, wicked, to be wicked, fair, it's 40, wicked, it, wicked. it is 49 degrees uh, where I'm at right now uh, in California. Uh, but, uh, 49. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, Wait, how strong the winds? I mean, the, the 20 max gusts of 29 miles per hour. That, more than the, the actual temperature, is probably going to put a cap on, on any kind of passing game you're going to have. Hey, man, it's football, man. Tough guys find ways to win. Tough guys find a way to write. And, exactly. Uh, Vic, you'll be, yeah. a, you will be a tough guy. I might write my story outside. I'll go on the outside and write my story <laughs> just to really embrace the elements. All right, let's make some predictions before we get out of here. Who wants to lead off? I'm going with, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going with the Raiders. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Raiders 20, Steelers 14. I think it's a rough offensive day for both teams, but... While the Steelers' offense does have some skill position players, I, I think the Raiders' one is, is is a bit better, and they have a much better quarterback. And so, I think they end up uh, squeaking this one out and 
you know, getting to that 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 dreaded uh, seven win total that we all predicted uh, about a week or so ago, and then and getting everybody's hopes up going in into, into these last two weeks. I'm gonna go Steelers. I just think there's too many th- factors going against the Raiders in this game, including car and cold weather, and they need to be able to pass to beat this defense, and it's gonna be hard with those wins um, and, and the guard situation. So I think Kenny Pickett was playing pretty good ball before he was hurt. So I'm gonna say. Uh, Steelers 23, Raiders 17. A lot of field goals. I don't have the advantage of you guys all picking them to, to lose and, and me uh, getting to jump in with the win, but uh, I, I wasn't going to pick them in this one anyway. I, I'm going Steelers 16, Raiders 13. Field goal heavy game. I just don't feel great about them going into these conditions. Like I said, most you know that wind, that cold. Um, it's it's going to be a tough day. I think for for both teams, it's not going to be a a pretty Christmas Eve game. So, Steelers sixteen, Raiders thirteen. Yeah, Jimmy wants some some draft prediction stories these last two weeks, and so he's trying to get it. We have a very similar score. I'm going with Raiders thirteen, Steelers thirteen. I'm going with a tie game. Oh, oh yeah. go to hell! <laughs> go to hell! Evenly matched teams. Cold weather neutralizes both offenses. Defenses thrive. That's the worst outcome. Because then we got to fucking act like these playoff scenarios last two weeks with the ties and all the math. I can't question my vision when it comes to me. Yeah, I can't yeah. question. Like I just saying the math is going to be with it. Oh, that's 13, asshole. 13. I don't even know how how like we how we do this in terms of like keeping track of your record hey, now. Man. Like he picked a tie, so I guess if either team wins, it counts as a loss for you. That's fine. Like that matters. What am I three and eleven? What the hell am I three and thirteen? I mean, who cares about that? I just I gotta tell you what I, what I see. When I see it, I say it. That's what I see. I see a tie game. His vision is a my, 13, 13 that's my tie. Vision. Tune in, guys, Saturday night. Spend your Christmas Eve watching a 13-13 tie on NFL Network. Yeah, wasting the betters' time. Like, the betters don't get anything out of that either. Like, nobody wins in this matchup. Nobody Nobody wins. Everybody gets up. Derek Carr's first non-loss in cold weather. Mike Tomlin's winning season's dream, I guess, doesn't stay alive. I guess it would stay alive. It would keep alive his. So, hey, man. Didn't they go 8-8-1 last year? Like, I think he, like. That's right. So, everybody, everybody wins, man. Everybody wins with a tie. It's beautiful. That's a first in State of the Nation history. This is generational, right? Here. My only fear is I gave him too many points. It might be 9 9, but I'm going to go 13 13. We'll see. All right. We do want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you all enjoy the uh, the weekend. Enjoy the 13 the 13 tie, as, as Vic might point out. Um, the greatest Christmas present one can get 13 13 tie. We will pre-warn you that um, after that epic 13-13 tie, we are uh, are not planning to do a post-game show that night. Um, we'll come back on Monday and uh, and, and talk about that one. Uh, give us all, uh, give Vic a little bit of time to enjoy the uh, the wintry weather there in Pittsburgh, and um, the rest of us enjoy some time with our family. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. <laughs> the, rest the, the rest of us will be having a good time, but poor Vic will be miserable. I like it. Uh, hey, Vic volunteered for this game. Hey, man, like I said, tough, tough guys cover tough games. I mean, I'm in. Let's go. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week after the Raiders take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Adios. Hey, Rachel. Happy holidays. Hey, man, it's football, man. Tough guys find ways to win. Tough guys find a way to write.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.